Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. We're back in the booth after a nice little break. We had yeah. some time with our families. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So Pastor Alex and hey, Chris. Chris talking about Habakkuk, which Parker brought up a couple weeks ago uh, that I apparently strong-armed you all into pronouncing it the way that I want it to be pronounced. All right. I've always pronounced it Habakkuk most, cor- correctly. Most Hebrew people have. Yeah. Not that I'm a Hebrew person, but no. But if you've taken I, Hebrew, in line with yes, Hebrew. People. If you read a Hebrew class at some point, you probably have had access to it. So yeah, so Habakkuk just flows rather than Habakkuk. I don't think that's how Hebrew words no accent. It's, it's such an English way of saying it. So with that in mind, this book is I think going to be challenging to people. Uh, I think it's it's going to be. It's going to be in the vein of Zephaniah, which I, I got a ton of positive feedback from people that it was they were really grateful for Zephaniah. I'm excited about where Habakkuk is going to take us. However, every one of us on staff that was working on the sermon team aspect of this, I had multiple conversations with you all, and we all said, there is so much parallelism from this to Job. Yeah. So I just want to entertain some of those ideas with you today and kind of just dive into the concept and talk a little bit about it. So for those who haven't read Job, or maybe you've watched an episode of a a TV show that tried to make fun of it, uh, I'm thinking specifically of an animated uh, show years ago that did the story of Job in an episode, and they totally butchered it, and it it, oh, I don't. I, I'm not I'm even going to say okay. that show because it's don't, so. Don't bad. go look for it. No, 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 no. it's that bad. But but it, just go read Job one to three would be helpful. Sure. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Go read Job one to three, and we'll wait for you. Okay, you pause. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that there are so many TV shows and others that have tried to take it on, and usually what they end up saying is, God is a cosmic jerk who doesn't care about you. Even if you love him, he's going to take everything away from you, and then he's going to expect you to worship him anyway. And if you think that's the story of Job, you are so far off from yeah. what Job is. So I think the best way that I've heard it described, Tim Mackey uh, did this on the Bible Project podcast. He just mentioned that Job, if you think about it, is the – and my my Hebrew professor said the same, but I'm going to give Tim Mackey the credit. Uh, Tim said – that Job is sort of the the thought experiment of what if the worst possible things happened to you, but you loved God anyway, how would you respond? Because mm-hmm. I think there's this idea, and you know, if you read Deuteronomy 27, 28, 29, 30, like that whole section, God's leading up to the curses, talks about these blessings, talks about these curses. And then it's sort of an idea of like, if you follow me, you're going to get all these great things. But if you don't, it's going to go really badly for you. And so we sort of equate that in our mind of what happens if I do everything right? How's God going to love me? We expect that. What if you did everything right and you loved God completely and you still lost everything? How would you respond? Yeah. And that's, I think, the the tension of Job versus Habakkuk. It was so hard as we worked on Habakkuk uh, 
not to go to Job almost every time because they're both dealing with the underlying problem of evil. Now, Habakkuk is dealing with it in a corporate sense. Right. Uh, the nation is about to handle evil, whereas Job handles it on a personal sense. It's a one-on-one thing. Um, but what's so interesting is Habakkuk kind of deals with this and what Habakkuk deals with is the we've done wrong. Maybe we don't even realize we've done wrong, but God's judgment is coming. How do we handle God's judgment? How do we handle what feels to like, feels to us like an injustice? I experience something bad. That is an injustice to me. It feels like that when really what Habakkuk is showing us is that sometimes that's actually God, God's justice to us. But then you intensify that to Job. Like, how do you deal with that tension of like, I'm feeling bad things, but then you intensify it with Job because he was blameless. Mm -hmm. And so Job just intensifies all of those points that Habakkuk is making. And it makes you think like, okay, how do we truly understand the justice of God Mm -hmm. and the rightness of God, the righteousness of God? When in Habakkuk, you can, as a reader, you can sit back and you can say, oh, okay, uh, they deserve this, but Job... You're like no, mm-hmm. yeah. So so that so Job is that intense moment where we we can apply Job to Habakkuk and be like, listen, people in Habakkuk, you you think this thing? Well, look at Job. Mm-hmm. Look at what he did. He wasn't he wasn't at fault. He was blameless. Yet he still experienced some of these things. Let's really dig into the justice of God. So that's uh, yeah, that's kind of how Job helps us mm-hmm. understand Habakkuk. And I think if you, you're totally right. I think if you boil it down and just think through what's the basic message of Job, I understand how you could come to the place of even if you do everything right, God could still take it all away and you still, you need to worship him anyway. If you want to go completely cynical, yeah, I think that's an element of what's being said there. In the same way, Habakkuk doesn't deserve necessarily the judgment that's coming to him. There's a number of prophets that are all saying the same things, right? They Right. Personally, you're saying like Habakkuk yeah. doesn't personally. Yeah. But he's wrapped up in that judgment because he's in, in Judah and Judah's about to be judged. Back to your, your corporate idea, right? There's yeah. there's a corporate element of the nation of Judah is so far away from where they're needing to be that God needs to deal with them. Uh, the people who are supposed to be righteous and, and doing things correctly, the priestly you know, guild, the, the, the rulers of the nation right. are the ones that are actually letting everybody down. And in some ways, this is going to very much parallel some of how we feel in America, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that I talk to, the church has let them down, leaders have let them down. Uh, they, they're like, the people who I think are supposed to be good are the opposite of good, and they're almost intentionally doing evil. How am I supposed to live in this? How am I supposed to handle this? So I think Habakkuk is going to give you a couple of things to think about and do there, and they're going to be very challenging. But then on top of that, when you go back to the Job idea and, and what I was just saying with, with Habakkuk, he individually doesn't deserve it, just like Job doesn't deserve what's coming to him. At the same time, the question isn't really even who deserves what. The question is, if you are righteous and you're living for God in a world that is totally against him, you can't expect everything to go easily for you. And you are then complicit sometimes with the corporate element. And I don't mean that in a... You know, a lot of people in our our day and age are sort of tying themselves to great, great mistakes of the past. I'm not even saying that. Judah, in its case, had a very unique goal, strategy, expectation that God had on them, and they were not fulfilling that at all. I don't know that America has the same. I don't know that our Western culture has the same. But we live in a world right now that wants to say, let's just tear everything down. Let's just start from scratch with no actual idea of how to build back. Mm -hmm. 
and that's not even the message of Habakkuk. That's not the message of Job at all. But in that, if you're if you're wrestling with that idea, then you totally are going to understand at least part of what we're talking about here in the book. And at a minimum, Habakkuk could say at the end of the day, just like Job could, I didn't deserve this and it happened to me anyway. How do I respond? And I think the way that the, the book is going to end is going to lead us with some really challenging thoughts and things for us to go, I don't even know what to do with that. But secondly, how do I now follow God in the midst of this? And how, yeah. how do I do what I'm being asked to do? Right? I mean, is, is that kind of what you would think of it? Or what else are you bringing to the table on this? Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about God's justice in the community aspect. And, and I think our nation wrestles with this right now because we we have a nation that doesn't follow God Mm-hmm. We have many national leaders. Some do, some don't. We have many policies that are not biblical. Uh, we have many historic policies that are not biblical. And there's this idea that God should maybe judge our nations or is going to or look at these different things. And then and then you see, you know, natural disasters happen and people are like, this is God's judgment on our country. And it's like, oh, maybe I don't know that I'd go so far to say that specifically. But God's judgment may or may not be coming to America. But what I think we sometimes forget is even the righteous people in America will experience that judgment as well. Yes. And that's that's the plight of Habakkuk here, of, of him personally. He's he's looking at at the nation and then God says, you know, Babylon's gonna come and he's like, wait, they're they're worse than us and they're worse than me, but he's gonna experience that. And and does that lead Habakkuk to a moment of trust or does it lead Habakkuk to a moment of despair? If you read through Habakkuk, he ends up in a moment of trust. If you read through Job, he ends up in a moment of trust. Both mm-hmm. of these guys, even as innocent sufferers personally, the the evil that they're caught up in, the injustice that is done to them results in a place of trust, which is, you know, and we've said this on the podcast before, God's justice is so complex. Like mm-hmm. we can't tit for tat every single thing. We can't move, place everything. Okay, God did exactly this because of this one thing, choice, decision that was made by this individual and then this individual, like we can't sort all that out, but we, we rely and trust on an infinite God who, who is able to do that. And through the story of Job, we see that it, it is, we don't, this, this divine counsel moment where the, the accuser comes before God, we don't even know about things like that and conversations like right. that. Right. Um, you know, our, our only response is to praise, trust, and worship God in the midst of any moments of despair. Yeah. That's, that's where these, these two books are driving us. And the, and the connection there is, yeah, both, both these guys are, are experiencing injustice, but they both end up in the right place. Even when others around them, specifically Job, even when in Job, the people aren't, the people that aren't experiencing the suffering are the ones who don't have the trust in God. Mm -hmm. Right. Job's wife. Job's friends, mm-hmm. you know, especially his wife who's like, well, I guess she experiences some loss in there as well, but not the same way yeah. Job does. But, you know, curse God and die. Yeah. And we live in a world that's going to tell us to do that. And like I said, these TV shows that I've I've seen that I've always just thought, what a horrible representation of it. At the same time, I understand where they're coming from because if you don't have a relationship with God, that, that infinite, infinitely wise you know, omniscient, 
uh, being that you were describing a second ago, which is the God that we worship and the God that we trust, for us not to understand everything but to trust that he does is where we need to end up. At the same time, people around us are going to try to push us to think differently. You know, they're going to push us to say, curse God and die. How dare you? You're really going to get that out of him and you're going to still follow him anyway. Uh, You know, recently my family and I went to see The Shift, which is a modern day retelling of the book of Job from Angel Studios, you know, the folks that did The Chosen Mm -hmm. and everything else. Uh, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, that was confusing. I didn't like that movie at all. It's a sci-fi thriller playing with the idea of the multiverse. So I know you would you would love it. I think you <laughs> I'm already like yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as I said sci-fi and multiverse. Well, Alex, sci-fi doesn't bother me. Alex it's is the out. multiverse. But there's this scene in the very beginning of the movie where the the protagonist, this guy that that plays the part that basically is Job, but he has a different name and a different thing uh, that he's dealing with. He is taken into a different universe. And he's given the promise of, I'll let you go back to that other one that you want to be in if you just just, just need to do what I want you to do. And the person that that plays the Satan character, he does a great job, by the way. Uh, and, and, and for those listening to this, he is a believer, by the way. That's the other crazy thing is he actually follows Jesus. So oh, he, to, you know, I did see the trailer. Neil of McDonough. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, I've seen him in some yeah. other stuff. I'm like, I, love, oh, I, I know love, that guy. I love yeah. him. He's so good. And, he's, and he plays a great Satan, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but he... They call him the the benefactor in this movie, uh-huh. and I so so I'm bringing this into to Habakkuk and Job. This this idea of I think we think that when Satan does something, it's going to be really easy to notice. It's going to be super evil. You're going to just always know what's wrong. The promise that he's often making people isn't. I'm going to make this so hard on you. It's actually, I'm going to give you exactly what you want if you just trust me. And part of what we need to wrestle with is the fact that God is not always going to give us what we want, but he actually is the one who gives us the best thing. And that's a wrestling match that we can't handle. And that's part of what Habakkuk is dealing with in these first 11 verses when I, you know, um, when I'm working through this sermon and, and thinking through how to preach it and what to say, you know, there's this there's this piece of the idea that if I went to God and I said, I need you to fix my problems, if God responded with, I'm actually going to bring you something worse first, and then <laughs> I'll bring you to where you're supposed to be, I don't know how I would like that. I don't know if I like that moment. And that's part of the wrestling match is, do you trust God enough that if you say, I want this, and he goes, I actually will give you that, but to get that. You got to go through the hardest possible thing first, and then you'll appreciate it all the more, and it'll be way better for you. That's a way different story than the way that our culture retells the story. Right, right. Because I think we, so, and I'm included in this, we so much have become accustomed to and love comfort and ease. Like we want things to be comfortable, we want things to be easy. And we have so many systems in our life that prevent us from experiencing pain and hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like physically, like most of us do not work hard. I shouldn't say most of us, but a, a good portion of people in our in our country do not work hard physically labor labor's mm-hmm. jobs, which in in other cultures today and throughout mm-hmm. history, it was very rare to not have that that type of job. So we just we have so many conveniences. <clears throat> we have so many things that are built into our to our lives 
where where life is easy. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's hard culturally for myself included, a lot of Americans to see, hey, the way God is going to sanctify you to make you a better follower of him is going, he's going to put you through something really hard, or he's going to allow you to experience something really hard that's either physically or even emotionally or spiritually painful. And those painful moments, in those moments, he's going to call you to trust him. And that's where the growth comes, where in those painful moments, you see his hand working. Or even when you don't see his hand working, you trust that his hand is working and he pulls you out of it. And that's, I mean, that's really like the message of Job, right? That that, um, Job experiences all these painful moments, including, like you're saying, other people coming in and saying, Job, you've got this all wrong. God's got this all wrong. He's not treating you well. And then he comes out of it as as restored and not just that his stuff is restored like okay that's nice but job has a better understanding of who god is mm-hmm. as a result of all that and i think for us today in some of those moments we're called to trust and i shouldn't say some in all of those moments we're called to trust because we become better people after we go through the hard thing mm-hmm. and sometimes that hard thing is just god using a hard moment to shape us he's building our character and some things, sometimes those hard things are the results of our own decisions. It's God's justice towards us, and we need to live out that justice and accept those consequences so that we can become better people. Because we, we all know, all, all, everyone who's been around a kid knows that kids need discipline. They need mm-hmm. to be corrected, and sometimes that correction needs to be hard enough that they don't make the same mistake again or that they sure. do better the next time or that they think differently about something and so when we see kids, we're like, oh, yeah, that's that's obvious. Like, we need to give them discipline so they, they're better later. But then, but then when we get disciplined, we're like, what's happening to us, mm-hmm. God? What have you done? Why did I lose this job? Why did I, you know, lose this money? Why did this happen to me? Why do all these things not, why is this illness, whatever? Instead, in those moments, we're called to just pour our hearts out to God and say, God, you have control. You can take care of this. I'm willing to go through the hard thing and praise you through it. Yeah. I, I want to push back on something you said. Sure. You said uh, that everyone who's been around kids knows they need discipline. I, I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I don't know that every person who's been around kids actually realizes that their children need discipline. That's just a it's a, that's, it's a, it's a minor detail and a little funny. bit of a, a shot at, at some people in our current culture. I, I, anyway, mm-hmm. the I I think I I am totally with you, and I th- and and this is back to the opening kind of thought that we had. The issue is most Christians believe that that is totally true, what you just described. As long as you've done everything wrong, you deserve that justice to get you back on track. Back to the opening thought, and this is, this is where Job and Habakkuk challenge us greatly, is if you don't actually deserve it, are you still going to be okay with it? And that's a hard, that's a hard one for us to wrestle, but it's true. It's... It, it, and 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 I in one sense we could all say I deserve everything that could ever come to me because the depth of my sin is so much more than I could ever imagine. I know all that's true, but but one of my professor was pushing back on with Job because we pushed on that with him. We're like, well, his friends are sort of right. There are things in Job's life that he didn't get forgiveness for, and my professor was like, listen, that's not the point of the book. It's it's not that Job does deserve some of this. Like we're all sinners. He was that's a it's a very reformed Protestant way of looking at life, right? All of us are sinners. 
He's like, I'm not saying that that's not true. It's absolutely true. The thought experiment with Job is not so much you are going to suffer because you always deserve it to some extent. The thought experiment for Job that makes it so hard is Job is the best of the best and it still happens to him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then Job's response pushes him even further into faith, even further into a journey with God. And then ultimately, at the end of the book, so many that I've heard say, well, he got everything back plus, t- and it's doubled, so he got what he wanted. That's not the point of the book because there are people that I know that are fervently walking with God and they are getting decked once at, one time after another, after another, after another, and at the end of their life, they are not getting everything back. Yeah. And and even so, like if somebody offered me like, hey, I'm going to put you through the ringer and you'll get double back at the end of it. I don't know that I'm taking it. I think I'm like, I'm just, I'm, right. I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm good. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thought experiment with Job is is that that concept, it's a, it's a theological issue in our heart of you think if you just do the good, you're going to get it. You're going to get good stuff. And if you do the bad, you're going to deserve it. And that's part of what Job's friends are saying. There has to be something in your life that God needs to push back on. And in some ways, that's what Habakkuk is wrestling with, is he's saying, I am asking you to do something. I am one of your prophets. You're supposed to listen to me. And he's not being that, you know, but this is kind of how I read the book, because I've been there before, where I'm like, God, just fix this. Like, I know you can fix it. And God's response to Habakkuk is, no, I'm actually bringing something way worse than you can imagine. Watch and see what I do to the point where when it gets used again in the New Testament, these individuals are saying, don't be like the people that heard Habakkuk's voice and didn't listen. They they were convinced God would never do this type of thing. And he, God has done more than you can imagine. And he's eventually going to do even more. You know, there's if, if you think about it, one sense, there's a day coming when God does judge the earth completely. Whether you believe Revelation to be literal or not, uh, it's not really the point of what I'm, where I'm going here. It's the point is we all believe that there's a day where Christ is on his throne judging the earth once and for all. Our observation of that event may seem barbaric to some of us, even though it's nothing but but righteous and, and, and good. And, and, and that's yeah. so hard for us to do it because like you said, we want to live in comfort. We want to live in ease. We want everything to go easy for us. We want the formula to, I want to put in these inputs and I want to get this on the other end. And what, what Job is pushing back on is saying, even if you do that, it doesn't always go the way you want it to go, but he's still worth following through it all. Yeah. Cause you know, I've never really thought about this until you start talking about it, but Maybe the, so the lived experience of Job is within his lifetime. He has everything. He loses everything that's temporary, still worships God, but gets everything back. But for our lived experience, the the period of restoration might not be till, till heaven. Mm-hmm. Like that's the restoration to us. And that's the, man, I've never even thought about that before. I've always kind of viewed Job as, well, everything happens within his temporal life, but for the modern day believer, mm-hmm. or for anyone else, the the we might live the Job life, the innocent, mostly innocent, right? <clears throat> we may experience all the loss and pain and suffering, but the restoration might not come till after our mm-hmm. our physical death. Wow, that's that's pretty powerful, and that's kind of where I think that that point can hit home. 
in the midst of suffering, we can praise God because we know that restoration comes ultimately with, with being with Jesus, with eternal life. Mm-hmm. And even if we don't have restoration in this life, and that's, that's hard because I think we, we think through like, what, what rights do I have? Like, I've heard people say like, you know, all of us have the right to do this, the right to do this. Somebody, somebody told me one time, like, you know, I have a God given right to own a firearm. And I was like, Oh, I don't know that this is a God given <laughs> right. But anyway, well, the constitution says it is, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, you know, like we have rights to life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Well, what what rights do does God give us? Like, he definitely doesn't give us the right to pursuit of happiness. He definitely doesn't give us things like that as as a right. And so maybe, yeah, God God has a life for us that isn't great. But there's restoration in the end for those who trust him. So, yeah, I, I, something else you said. It, this is We're kind of carrying on a long time. But this I, I this like is this. good. I, this was going to be a rambling conversation anyway, and it's it's definitely doing its job. But yeah, we're, so I think we're see, getting somewhere. So, that, yeah, that whole tension of, of how do we characterize Job? Is he the innocent sufferer? Uh, that's how the book characterizes him. But, like, theologically, we know that he's not 100% innocent because of everybody's sinful. He's born into sin like the rest of us. But he's portrayed. I wonder how did – how did Job view himself? I think there were moments where in his poetry, he does view himself as the innocent sufferer, right? Yeah. But aren't there moments where he, he sees himself as sinful as well? So there's moments in the book where he, he demands an audience with God. Back to that divine counsel idea that you threw out a little while ago, and I love that you're the one that threw it out. <laughs> He's asking for a court case. He's saying, God, let me present my evidence, because even if yeah. I'm bad, I'm not as bad as the people around me. So that that's basically all that he's willing to admit. But in the end, he is very much an innocent sufferer. And what's what's even crazier about the book is he is still in the midst of suffering, and God asks him to intercede on behalf of his friends. And so what a lot of scholars have pointed out is, and this, this totally fits to Habakkuk, is that what Job is, is he's the, he is a, a precursor to Christ. And, and it, going back to our little thought experiment here, Christ is the ultimate example of somebody who doesn't deserve what's coming to them and who surrenders his life and lays it down for the good of everybody else around him. So... Oh, sorry. No, you're good. And the final thought there is, and Christ intercedes on our behalf as the people who don't understand him. So if you think about us being, you know, we always think of ourselves as Job and we go, what would I do if if I was those friends? No, Christ is that friend to us. Job, Job is Christ for, you know, Christ is the ultimate expression of Job for us. The guy who didn't deserve what happened to him. And yet we are still the ones who sit around with Job or Christ and go, I can't believe this happened to you. You something must be wrong with you. And he's like, you don't understand. No. And I'm interceding on your behalf. I love you so much that I'm willing to to go before my father and say, listen, I, I'm pleading on their behalf. And he carries us into this new place, which is what you're, you know, you're talking about. The ultimate expression of of what we're gonna get is this wonderful place in the end that pain and agony doesn't exist anymore and we're and we're great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the old Testament types, what they, uh, so I'm using the word type there for those that aren't familiar. The type is simply a character or system in the old Testament that 
typifies Jesus, that Jesus becomes kind of the true and better version. Like Hebrews mm-hmm. describes Jesus as the true and better Adam, the one who passed the test in his right. garden, not not failed like Adam. Anyway, so, so Job as a type of Christ, yeah, I, I see that there like, He's the innocent one who suffers yet intercedes for others. But all all the types, Jesus becomes the true and better, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a version, but then Jesus is the true and better. And so the true and better Jesus is, is that because Job questioned God? Like what what makes Jesus the true and better, the truly innocent one, the truly innocent, truly innocent. sufferer? sufferer. And, and a truly... A- the one who has an accuser who comes forth and, and, and brings the heat, so to speak. Yeah. Like, but is, is there a point in Job? I'm like trying to skim 40 something chapters of Job (laughs) right now because we didn't, I didn't read this entire book. I've studied it before, but I didn't read the entire one in, in preparation for this conversation. But I mean, there's a moment where Job is like, yeah, like you're saying, he wants his he wants to plead his case before mm-hmm. God. And that's where God's like comes back to him is like, "Hey, have you ever seen where I keep the snow? Hey, do, have you ever seen like how the foundations of the Lord like t- tell me. It, can you instruct me on how the the world was created and and Job kind of gets put in his place like mm-hmm. is is that a moment there where Jesus being the true and better doesn't present his case before God? Correct. He just accepts and knows well he being god himself yeah. he he was there when the foundations of the world were <laughs> replaced he has seen the, the where where god keeps his snow um and, and i th- and i think that's the point is here's the one who doesn't deserve anything that's coming to him and he doesn't plead his case he doesn't call for a court case he just says not my will but yours be done yeah which really i think ties a bow on this whole conversation that's that's impossible for any of us to ask you to get to that place. But that is the place that Scripture is calling you to, of just learning to trust so well that you'd be willing to say, not my will, but yours be done. And if you do everything wrong and you get punished, you're going to expect it. But if you get punished, even despite the fact that you are totally in the right, can you still do that? Yeah.